Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial technician. Whether you've had years of success in your business or just starting out, Highlift Financial can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family, and align these for generational wealth. As they say, what happens in your life affects your business. And now, on to the show. Well, hello and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with me, Matt DeFrancesca. And you can see I finally got rid of the van that was always in the back. So we, we were finally moving some cars through the shop here. But anyway, I hope everybody's having a great start to the year. And I'm really excited about today's guest because she's got a wide variety of experience in a lot of different areas. And so Holly Jean Jackson, she's actually a revenue and peak performance consultant who works with business owners to help master the art and science of real success. So there's a number of areas that she works in. She assists in helping to increase revenue and overall performance, uh, provides marketing expertise for your clients, your customers, and your team, and uh, helps guide in solving some of the problems that you need to address today and build skills that you need to become more effective. So she's also a speaker, a podcast host, an author, and she's the founder of the Business Builder Throwdown, which I hope she'll give us a little insight into what that is. So just some fun facts about Holly. She actually played first chair clarinet in Carnegie Hall, and uh, you know how to get to Carnegie Hall. Practice, practice, practice. So, and anyway, she's also a, a black belt in karate. So I better keep the jokes to a minimum or she might kick my butt. So, <laughs> all right. So anyway, Holly, welcome to your business, your life. I love it. We're going to have so much fun. So many synergies. I have a life and business compass. So it aligns completely to your podcast name. And yeah, I, I can't beat you up through Zoom. So I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we're safe. Yeah, I think we're safe too. So I actually, you know, it's funny. My son started taking mixed martial arts and they would do adult classes while the kids were doing it. So I do actually have a purple belt in uh, Muay Thai and um, Jiu Jitsu. So <laughs> I like it. But yeah, I, it, it takes it, a good it, practice to get there. It's been a while since I've done it. So yeah. I still think I'm a little behind where you are. So. But anyway, so Holly, I mean, you've got a wide variety of experience that's here. And so I just wanted to kind of allow you the opportunity to kind of give the audience a little bit of history about how you came into being a consultant for business owners. Yeah. So I actually worked in corporate America and I've worked across several different industries, which gives me a lot of experience and the diversity of how you do different aspects of business. And in the roles that I had, I learned a lot about lead generation and sales, customer experience, employee experience. But I found that even though I was a top performing employee who always achieved the highest level of bonus, all kinds of really amazing perks, I kept getting laid off at least four times throughout my short 10 to 12 year corporate career. Right. And additionally, each of those layoffs was coupled with this really crazy new health thing. That was a huge thing I needed to overcome, whether it was a concussion, I had spinal surgery, I had a lot of different things that happened. And so I kind of noticed that pattern and really came to the realization that corporate America was not a fit for me physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so I decided to go out on my own and initially started as a holistic business coach, working mostly with people in the holistic space and then during COVID found out that those folks just weren't investing, they didn't have the capital. And so I pivoted and widened my reach and opened it up to do specifically revenue and performance consulting. And I also found that a lot of people needed things done for them versus just coaching on it. And so ultimately I decided to pivot to more done for you services, done with you services and moved into the consulting space. 
Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the things, you know, especially in my practice and working with collision shop owners, you know, a lot of them are, we're kind of starting them to position for an eventual transition at some point, whether it's to a family member, whether it's to a key employee or maybe a third party sale. But one of the initial steps that I do as a financial planner is doing their financial plan, but then also looking at what the value of the business is and I would say probably 95% of the time there's a gap that's there. So that means that basically what we have to start doing is figuring out how do we raise the value of the business. And so there's a lot of non-financial areas that can really significantly increase the value of the business. And so I wanted to ask you, so what are some of the areas that typically business owners miss that can help them to really increase their revenue and performance, you know, as they kind of move through this process? Yeah, there are quite a few areas where business owners leave a lot of money on the table. And one of them is marketing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's interesting. The first place that I see business owners cut their costs and their expenditures is marketing. And that's right. crazy to me because ultimately, if you're seeing, you know, your sales cycles lengthen, your quarterly sales are starting to have a downfall you should actually be doubling down on marketing and really split testing things that are and are not working and being really strategic and smart and sound with your investments in the marketing space. But also, quite frankly, a lot of business owners don't realize they have what I call your business ATM right underneath your nose, your existing clients, your past clients, the vendors that work with you, the champions and fans of the people that support you and your business. These are all people you can go back to, to get referrals from, to see if they need new services that you have to offer. And also you have your email list, you have your phone list, you have your CRM. Hopefully you have one. If you don't, we should talk because that's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's actually, most shop owners do not have CRMs. It's one thing I identify right off the bat. Yes. Uh, oh my goodness. So when you watch the business builder throw down, we throw down marketing strategies on both sides and we see who wins. And ultimately the secret, just don't tell anybody, is they're both strategies you should implement. You just need to choose one to start with. Right. And one of the things that I say in there that I'm quoted for all the time is you should have a freaking CRM, not right. just as a freaking CRM. The reason is if you are not tracking your prospects, your partners that are referring to your business, your VIP clients, your fans, your champions, the people in your life, and then strategically having touch points along their journey to sell them, to stay in their life, to offer them value, to educate them, to stay top of mind, you are leaving massive loads of money on the table. And also what I find is most business owners, especially when they're smaller in nature, do not have a sales process. Right. They have no system for keeping in touch with people. I'm getting all passionate and burnt up about this. Oh, like that's great. It's funny because this is something my, actually my coach, this is the year of referrals and introductions. So this is a really great topic because I'm kind of passing this stuff on to my clients. So go ahead, keep going. Yeah, I'm actually right now working with one of my clients who's a financial advisor and we're building out a system for them to follow that's repeatable, that's going to help shorten the sales cycle, that's going to help their business partners keep them more top of mind so that they get more referral partners so that everybody is winning. And so when I say you need a sales process and a system that you follow, I'm talking about every single touch point from prospect to client to referral partner to fan for life. Right. And this includes even having 
a sales cycle and a system for your referral partners. For the people that are constantly sending you business, they are non-competitive, meaning they serve similar audience and similar types of prospects in totally different ways. So for example, Matt and I could be considered referral partners because we work with people in different ways. Sure, there's some overlap in certain areas, but we ultimately work with people in different ways. And so you want to have touch points for both of these areas because you have to repeat things many times for people to retain it and remember you so that they know when they hear that customer's pain point, they can introduce Matt to them because Matt helps with that thing. Right. Yeah. No, and that's so true. So I guess, you know, and I think where a lot of business owners get hung up on this whole referral process is first off, I think years ago, the whole idea of the referral strategy was sitting in front of the client and says, okay, give me five names, which really puts a lot of pressure on the client that's there. And other times I think sometimes they're hesitant to do it because they feel like they're, um, they're begging, I guess is probably the best way to put it. So what are some strategies that a business owner can use to start to help keep referrals front of mind and to identify those areas when they're talking with somebody else that, oh, I know somebody, I know somebody that can help me with this. There are so many strategies for this. One, you can create what I like to call a VIP platinum referral program. So your existing clients, uh, your fan base, you can actually create something where they get so much benefit that it's a no brainer for them to make those referrals and introductions, Mm -hmm. whether it's they're being grandfathered into a group coaching program, a mastermind, into a discount for a package or a service that they need ongoing, whatever that looks like for the business and the nature of the services or products that you provide. And you want to make it so enticing and so exciting that they're winning, but they're also helping create value, valuable offerings and services for their social network. So that's one idea. Another thing too, is you can actually, from working with your clients and this, this works in some businesses and not in others. So for example, I have clients that I've worked with for years and I'll have them come on my podcast or just from getting to know them and learning about the case studies of the work that they do with their clients. I can give them a referral. Even if I haven't personally hired them, I know enough about the experience and what they're doing, or I can give them a referral based on what they've done as a guest on my podcast, or if they come on my monthly networking event, what I'll do is I'll send them that referral and that recommendation. And then I'll say, Hey, by the way, when you have a minute, I love the same if you've enjoyed our work together. So it's kind of a giving to get kind of referral strategy methodology, which works really, really well. And then additionally, it's really just kind of as soon as you have a client call or a service that you're delivering where the client is like, you know, for the collision shop, they come in and they're having this horrible experience and you're able to turn it around. They're like, wow, Matt, thank you so much for turning this really scary situation into feeling really supportive. You can say, great, you know, since you just said that, we love to capture the positive experience and how we can turn something that's horrific into a benefit because we really care about our customers. Would you mind really quickly just writing that down or we can even quickly do a quick recording on video of that so that we can share that on our website. And usually people are willing to do that on the spot. Yeah, especially I think if you do provide that value, it was, it's actually interesting. I remember I was at a conference there's a guy, Mike Anderson, who's like one of the gurus in the collision space. And, and he was doing this breakout session and it was interesting because he actually, he took a volunteer from the audience and he goes, will you mind if we call your shop? 
And literally in the middle, there's about a hundred people in this breakout. And he, you know, he has the phone on speaker with the mic and, and they called the shop to see how they were answering the phone. And, you know, he kind of says, Hey, just in an accident in my uh, 2020 uh, Nissan. And, you know, can you guys help me out? And like, initially they were all like, okay, well, you know, we can start the uh, claim process and all that. You know, when he was done with the call, he told the shop owner, he goes, first off, somebody has gone through a traumatic experience. So first thing they should say, are you okay? Is everybody in your family safe? You know, oh, you're certified Nissan. Hey, we're also, we're a certified Nissan shop and, and letting them know how we're going to help you and that we care about you to create that great customer experience. And I think that could very well tie in to kind of this idea of reciprocity that you're talking about. You're kind of giving them this, this extra value out of it. And then for that, asking them to say, look, you know, if you've been happy with your experience, the way we've taken care of you, please refer somebody to me. So that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Somebody, Susie comes into the collision shop, has this traumatic experience. You turn it around. She's a raving fan. You can right. say, you know, hey, Susie, I hope nobody you know well has an accident. But when you do run into folks who have a collision and they're feeling stressed and they're having a similar experience to what you had initially... We hope that you will entrust us to help your friends, your colleagues, your family in the future. Right. Just keep us top of mind. So it's really about that. And with collisions, it's a little bit different, but you can also share different examples of, okay, well, perhaps somebody dinged the side of your car and you want to have that fixed because you're going to resell the car and you want the value to be high. That's something we can help with, or if that is something you help with, but you want to start painting the pictures of what you help with so that the problem and pain point of the customer you want to get referrals for is top of mind to your existing clients and referral partners. Because if they don't understand the pain points and the services that you provide, they're never going to be able to refer business to you. Right, exactly. And that leads me to into another question because so... And it's actually interesting we're talking about this because uh, Body Shop Business just recently came out with their 2023 uh, industry study. And in marketing, 89% of shop owners say that their number one way of marketing is through word of mouth. One area that it's a matter of contention in the collision industry is with the insurance companies and with insurance adjusters. And they always feel like the shop owners always feel like they're battling. But you know, one of the areas that, and I've, I've got a client of mine who's been really successful at cre creating deeper relationships with these adjusters. So how about using them as a referral source? What are some strategies that a, a shop owner uh, used to do to kind of build those up, to be able to get even the adjusters to say, you know what, this is, this is the shop that you should go to. And, you know, basically help build the shop owner who in turn will help the adjuster's life become much better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say, first of all, I had somebody, luckily I wasn't in the car, but somebody sideswiped my car to the point of it almost being totaled. Wow. And I will say the first place I called after AAA and after the guy I was dating at the time to help me was my stepdad to say, Hey, what mechanic do you recommend? Cause I wanted to get the car drivable because mm -hmm. during COVID the time lapse for body shop stuff was so long and my insurance only covered so much for uh, rental cars. Right? right. And then I was more worried about how it looked later. So it was like collision center was after that. Right. And luckily I went that route because with the collision centers in the beginning of uh, COVID, you kind of had to do that. Yep. So the adjuster that I had to work with after that, because the mechanic I chose wasn't in network with insurance. Right. Yes. So 
my experience in the future, I would go with somebody that's a network with insurance because it was uh, so much work and so much stress. So yeah, you 100% want to work with insurance adjusters because that's going to make the customer experience smoother. And if you uh, become certified through specific insurance companies and you're become, you become like very VIP, you take care of the adjuster, you scratch their back, they scratch yours. They're going to, of course, going to want to refer business to you. They're going to be like, well, you know, we have three of this particular shop. This one right here, Matt's my friend. He's amazing. You can trust him. He takes really good care of people. If my daughter had an accident, I'd send her there. And so those are the kinds of stories and relationships you want to build with adjusters. And I would also say collision attorneys. So fender bender attorneys, they would also be great referral partners. Sometimes people are so overwhelmed or they have more critical things that have happened where they go to the attorney first because they're just so frazzled. So that's also a great referral. It's actually a great, it's never even dawned on me. And I think that's a really great idea and a a good takeaway for anybody who's listening to the, uh, to the podcast. So great stuff. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because one of the areas that you and I talked about before was this idea of finding and retaining good talent. And this is a huge issue in the collision industry because there's not as many young people getting into trades. And again, you know, even those that are, it's tough to find, to get the experience that the shop owner needs. So I want to talk some different uh, things that shop owners could do to basically create an environment that will not only attract, but will also retain those employees. Several things come to mind specifically based on some recent experiences. I actually was dating somebody recently who is a mechanic and he works in a mechanical shop and this, but this applies to the collision industry as well. Yeah. And how he got into it was he was actually in a completely different degree and different different working space and hated working an office job. And he became friends with somebody who owned this mechanical shop. Mm-hmm. And this person kind of took him under their wing and essentially created an on-the-job training program for him and started you know, paying him kind of lower rates because he was investing training into him as well. Ultimately, he ended up working for this organization for the length of his career and to this day. So building programs where you're teaching people, especially with the great resignation, we're starting to see that slow a bit in lots of industries. But if you're seeing a shortage in your particular trade, creating unique programs where they can get on the job training and people you might not have considered hiring in the past that you're willing to invest the time into because they have the right mission, they have the right values, they have the right attitude. I'm telling you right now, you guys, hire based on those three things over skill any day because you can teach and train skills. You cannot teach and train mission, vision, values, and who they are, like their attitude in in life. So creating programs like that will help. Also really getting to know the person you're hiring And creating incentive plans that are going to excite them based on not just financial incentives, but time off incentives to incentivize family. And additionally, uh, professional development incentives. People stay because people are invested in them and care about them personally and professionally. So the more you can create those things in your culture and your organization, you're going to not only attract, but retain people. And they're going to find other people that they know that they want to hire and work with. 
and bring them into the organization as well. And you're singing my song because that those are two things that I talk about all the time, especially personal development. I'm kind of a personal development junkie myself. And it's funny because I've got a lot of these shop owners, you know, they're shop guys. They've worked on cars all their life and they're not readers. But as soon as I get them onto a program of, of personal development, they all of a sudden, and they start to see the growth, they get excited and they start getting their employees involved in it. I got one who actually now they do a book of the month club. So he picks one book and the whole team reads the book. And once a week they get together and they discuss their learnings out of the book there too. And I think the on the job trainings and, and additional benefits, because as you were mentioning that, I remember I was talking to this Mike Anderson, who I was talking about, and he said what they did when he had his shops was they created what they, he called, it was paid, paid vacation. So what it was, was that you had your vacation. Let's say you had your two weeks of vacation. It's paid vacation, but he would also give a $2,000 bonus that could be applied to whatever you were going to do on your trip. It could be, you know, for uh, lodging, it could be for airline tickets, whatever that is. So they were getting additional money because he wanted to encourage them to take that time off, to be able to get rejuvenated. And then they become much more productive in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, if you really, especially personal development people, this is probably speaking your language, but yeah. it starts with freedom of time, then freedom of money, mm -hmm. then freedom of relationship, and then freedom of purpose. So if your folks, if your employees don't have freedom of time, then right. they can't take the time off. But if they don't have freedom of money, they're not really going to do much with that time off because they can't even afford it. And I think there was actually this story about Ford, the Ford company, mm -hmm. they got that and they wanted to make sure their employees were buying Ford vehicles. And so they gave them bonuses and incentives so that they had the time off to actually go and look at the car and buy the thing and use it. And then the money to actually be able to afford to buy the car. Right. And so they actually became more competitive as a company because of it. But that's brilliant. Paid, paid time off because then they can actually take time off where it's rejuvenating, restful, and they can sit back and relax and enjoy it. And those employees are going to stay for life. They're like, my goodness, my employer cares that much about me. I can go to a luxurious, all-inclusive resort with my family and take time off. That's beautiful. Right. It's not the stay vacation, you know, where you, you stay at home and just do yard work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's not much and of And that's vacation. what a lot of people do. You know, a lot of people take for granted the oh, ability to take real vacations and travel. A lot of people in this world do not have that ability. They don't have the financial freedom to do that. So employers that offer that have a massive competitive edge. I would completely agree. And I think this all kind of ties back. It's all about building culture too within the organization. And I always see the the better you can build the culture within your organization, that's going to reflect in the quality of work that you're going to provide your clients and customers, which then all ties back into your referral strategies. Am I correct? It's all a very beautiful circle of business and life. When you have amazing employees, they're going to show up and create an amazing customer experience. Exactly. When you have an amazing customer experience, your marketing becomes much easier because they do it for you. And you have warm referrals, which are much easier to sell than cold referrals. That's right. And when you do that right, then you also have referrals that are coming to you to build your employee base. Everything becomes easier when you get this right. 
And when you get it wrong and you have that rotten apple in the middle of your organization, it can destroy all of those things as well. That's exactly right. So we're getting close on time, but I do want to ask you the uh, $10,000 question. So if you could tell any business owner or shop owner only one thing that would improve their business, what would that be? Well, based on the fact that you told me for your audience specifically, they don't have a CRM. Right. One, get a CRM. And then two, with that CRM, build an obsessive process of how you're going to interact with your prospects all the way from prospect to client, because that's really essentially dialing in your sales process. If you do that and you stay diligent and true to that process, you're going to see your sales increase substantially and you'll stop leaving so much money on the table. And then you can actually hire a sales team to help you build up that prospect pipeline, um, as well as keep in touch with your existing clients because you'll be tracking them in your CRM. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm going to backtrack. I was telling you earlier, most shop owners don't have a CRM. A lot of them use their um, job management software. The big one out there is CCC. And when I ask about, say, well, we use CCC. Well, all CCC does is track the job. So explain what a CRM is So for those people yeah. who don't know. So a CRM is the heart of your business if you're doing business correctly. Right. And so it's called client relationship management software. That's what CRM stands for. And it, I don't care what technology you use as long as you're using it right. and you're staying in touch with people. Essentially, different CRMs, you can choose different like type types of tags that you have for your prospects or for the people in your your system. So you can track partners that are referral partners, you can track clients, you can track prospects, you can you know track pretty much anything in there. And you can create different types of frequencies of communication for them. You can also tag uh, specific deadlines and assignments and calendar things. You can also tag notes for that person. So imagine you have Sally Jean, who's been a client for years. You can't possibly remember her and your other hundreds of customers unless you have a CRM and you actually take notes of it. But imagine also, you know, Sally Jean's birthday, her anniversary, her children's birthdays. You can send cards to Sally Jean and stay top of mind for referrals. And Sally Jean's going to be like, Matt's shop is the best. He cares about me and my family. I get cards every Christmas for my birthday, for our anniversary. They care. I want that collision shop as my referral people. And then your partners, like your referral partners that you're going to stay top of mind, you can send them digital cards, you can keep in touch, you can add them to your email list if you have one. And the more you nurture these relationships, the more you stay top of mind, and people are going to come back to you. Right? Yeah, you know what? And it's so funny, because there's so many different CRM systems that are out there, so many different automated softwares that you can tie into CRM to execute these things. And the reason I bring that up is that's why you need to hire somebody like Holly, because she can help to guide you to what is the best uh, systems for you to use and ways to implement it. So anyway, any final thoughts that you have, Holly, you know, before we uh, jump off here? Yeah, my biggest thing is that whatever one thing you took away from this interview today, this conversation, take action on it. I can't stand it when people listen to a speaker or listen to a podcast or read a book and they hear their intuition or that spark of inspiration and then they do nothing with it. And then a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years go by 
and you miss out on so much growth and opportunity for not just you, but your employees, your customers, and your business. So my last note to you is to take action that matches the size of your dream so that you can have the life and business of your dreams. And I think that's just great advice there. And, you know, I would suggest to all of you to reach out to Holly. You know, it, it's actually interesting because even though the collision industry has some very specific tools and processes that business is business. And I think there's a lot of areas, especially on this revenue and uh, peak performance that Holly can help you with. So we're going to have all of her contact information in our show notes. Um, hopefully that you'll reach out to her. You can always contact us too. If you have any questions about what Holly does or any of the strategic partners that we work with, we're more than happy to give you guidance there. So Holly, I, I want to thank you for being on. This is great stuff. And we could go on for hours, honestly, <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the different areas that you work in. Just kind of blowing my mind. I was like, how do I keep this to a half an hour? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can always come back in another quarter and do another interview on something different if your listeners enjoy it. That's great. We can do that. So uh, Holly, Jean, thank you very much. And uh, the last thanks always goes to you, the audience. Thank you for listening to Your Business, Your Life. If you've not subscribed to the podcast, please click the subscribe button below. That way, when a new episode comes, it'll drop right onto whatever device you're using. And uh, whether you're listening to on uh, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, or YouTube, if you like the content that we're providing, please give us a five-star review. That way we move up the charts and we can get great guests like Holly out to uh, more and more people. So with that, again, I just want to thank you, Holly and the audience. Thank you for listening to Your Business, Your Life. And so take care and God bless. Hey, I really want to thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. If you want to be notified when new episodes become available, click the subscribe button below. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of High Lift Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, DBA, High Lift Financial, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state security authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.